0: Welcome everybody to another episode of the Crush Cast. Today we've got Mitch Pearson. Mitch and I were on a call about two months ago and I learned more about his history and his story. I thought Mitch, you would be the perfect guest. I love your momentum and I love what you've been able to do in terms of impact clients and also advisors. So thanks for joining us.
1: Absolutely, thank you very much for having me.
0: I looked at some of your numbers prepping for this discussion. You started 14 years ago. I've got this informal definition. It is a 10-bagger. Have you ever heard of a 10-bagger? I have not. Okay, so 10-bagger. Peter Lynch called a stock that goes up tenfold a 10-bagger. And so if you convert that to equitable advisors, it is an advisor whose production has gone up Tenfold in 10 years, and you've absolutely done that. So you started 14 years ago, and I looked at your numbers. You are now Hallmark 3, last year in excess of a 50% increase. But could we go back to when you're breaking in the business, 2008, and have you explain, like, what was that like for you, breaking in?
1: Well, uh, when I first started... I learned to really hit the ground running, and learned to have many, many, many appointments during the week. Schedule, pack your calendar as much as possible, and uh, learned all about rejection and how hard it was to actually write business. But that period of time, I, I really started to learn the business um, and learn stick to itiveness, and um, you know, and all, all those qualities that I still you know hold today. But and I feel like I'm only that was only a moment ago, and I, I still hold those the, that time near and dear. Um, but you know, at that time, it was really about um, you know picking up the phone, getting someone's attention, getting in front of them, and um, and seeing however I could best advise them or best help them. Try to find those opportunities.
0: So right out of the blocks, it was a focus on activity, and activity. you became really effective at mass volume approaches. When did things start to click for you, and did you have a specific type of approach that worked
1: well? I think my third year in, uh, I finally got the hang of it. Um, and I think a few things started to happen all at the same time. Uh, but three years in, I felt like it took three years for my phone to ring. That for a mm. couple of years, uh, you know, I'd pick up the phone, uh, you know, hello, is this you know, hello? And make sure I got a dial tone there. But after three years, I find that I was getting some more referrals, some more repeat business. The clients that i had already done work with had some additional business, or you know, there was something else there. Um, so that was a you know a turning point. Um, also, at that time, I started to work with another young advisor who was also about three years in the business, and he and I were able to team up together. And then for me, work became a bit more fun. Uh, you know, so that was a big part of it also. It wasn't just, you know, myself trying to make something happen. Um, we worked with each other day and night, you know, we'd stay in the office till nine o'clock making calls. And, uh, you know, it was that feeling of reciprocity, right? So if I, if I made a couple of meetings and this other advisor only made, you know, one or two, uh, he was, Oh geez, Mitch is carrying the team here. Uh, and then he would close a bigger case than I would. And, oh, geez, I can't let him, you know, write a bigger case than I can. And, you know, meanwhile, we're sharing everything. It's for everyone's benefit. But it was that feeling of reciprocity and the feeling of, uh, you know, really wanting to to, to to help both of us rise. So a couple of things happened all at the same time. Well, that was an interesting design.
0: I mean, you hear about accountability buddies and you hear about, like, the advantages of competition and collaboration. But this one's reciprocity where you felt like you had an obligation to deliver for your partner, that's quite a decision to make, isn't it? So you just decided from now on, we're gonna be
1: 50-50? On a certain um, amount of business that we carved out for us to work together. So yeah, not 100% of our business, but for you know, certain lists of costs yeah. or certain markets, uh, we said, yes, we're doing everything 50-50 and we did hold, hold each other accountable. And again, we were you know, we became good friends um and work became fun you know I I remember and I'll never forget this we went to a um it was one of these awards dinners and afterwards uh we were going back to the office and uh, we were talking with another young advisor that we were friendly with and he said you know are you going out after this you know where are we going this was after one of the you know the equitable awards dinners and we said we're going back to the office we have some calls to make and we joke about this, he and I, because we, we remember this other advisor is, is, is joy hitting the floor, like you're going back to work. You know, what, are you, what are you doing? You know um, But we really were trying to get after it. We were trying to make a few dollars and neither one of us were doing so great. And we, we, we knew that if we, we knew the numbers, right, you know, you figure out if I make a certain number of appointments, uh, a couple of them are going to fall through, however many are going to stick and then you transition as to what your average uh, case is, however many PCs you're going to earn from each case, and you knew you just had to keep the activity up and the and the results were going to follow. Having fun is key. Like, stick-to-itiveness is talked about, but it's
0: easier to do when you're actually enjoying yourself, and so th- this relationship and this uh, reciprocity that you had with this advisor allowed you to maybe grind it out, but enjoy the process. You hear people say that it's a lonely business. The other, the other question from a few minutes ago, is there a specific expertise or approach that you use in client acquisition? Like a specific area where you feel like you've got a specialization?
1: In client acquisition, I would say the answer is no. Um, you know, uh, you know the, the, the way that I could- Being like super thorough? i mean look the the answer is be yourself you know be a person and for me clients have uh my client base has grown over the years i'm not necessarily selling uh you know individuals on you know how i can help them but i make sure that everyone knows what i do and i remember that also from literally day 1 my manager told me you no market, you know, right? I started right out of college. And the first thing you have to do is uh, call everyone that you know, and let them know what you do. And I still do that now. Not that I'm actively calling everyone and telling them what I do, but I make sure that everyone around me knows what I do. And at some point people are approaching me. I mean, whether that's everyone's style or not, I'm, I'm more of a, um, a soft sell kind of individual. Um, and that works for me. And I think that as long as others get a sense of um, that, you're, that you're a knowledgeable person, someone that they'd like to do business with, um, clients end up coming to me at some point and I'm not actively you know, selling them.
0: You say it took about three years before it clicked and you re- like your phone rang and you really felt like, you, okay, I got this down. If we go back to your three years out and you're now not trying to break into the business, you have confidence. Did you have a feel for what the next 11 years were going to bring in terms of professional success?
1: How clear was that to you then? Um, My the transition, you know, so my third year in the last three months of that year, I did just as much business as I did in the first nine months. And I remember that very clearly. And the idea was, um, if I could just do that again. And the following year, I did even more, not say maybe 10%, uh, actually it was 10% growth between my third and fourth year. And I kind of figured it out. Um, I figured if I could just do that again, but, but more and better and faster. So I didn't know, and I, I had no idea how much business and where I'd be today, 11 years ago, you know, even the last year, I didn't know how well I finished the year at the end of the year. Um, you know, so you know, I just keep on working and you know, getting after it every single day. So the answer is no, I didn't, I didn't know what the future was going to hold, but I knew that I knew how to grow. I knew how to build this. Um, and I was just gonna keep on moving along in that direction. You
0: anticipated a question I was going to ask. I mean, he had north of a 50% increase in a single year. So if we went back to January of last year, you did, that was not clear. Like you did
1: not know that going in. I didn't know it would be a 50% increase. I, I knew it would be an increase, you know, where I thought it would be an increase. Um, and really every single year, I think from my second year, uh, I've had growth year after year after year. Um, And there's one year somewhere in the middle. I don't know, maybe it's a transition between my fifth and sixth or sixth and seventh year. I did almost exactly the same amount of PCs, uh, same amount of business. But for me, that was one of my biggest years because I knew that in that second year where I did almost the same amount, I did so much more advisory business, a significant amount more inviting. Maybe, I don't know, whatever the amount was, maybe it drove an extra $20 million or something uh, to LPL uh, advisory accounts, and the trails just hadn't started yet, you know, at least not all of them, not a full year's worth. And I knew that if I just kept up that activity, the following year was going to be that much better, uh, and so on and so forth. And again, I started, you know, that shift of trying to gather reoccurring assets, um, whether it's at Equitable or you know uh, LPL or wherever it may be, um, that idea of reoccurring assets—I don't want to wake up day one, January one, with with no business—and um, then also that kind of thing not only helps you with with building my own business and monetizing my business, but it helps as far as really having a, a client. It's not just someone that you sold something to. Now I have an active relationship with that client where I'm speaking to them regularly, regularly throughout the year, and it gives, gives me that much more opportunity for referrals and repeat business and just more rapport, deeper relationships. So all that kind of goes hand in hand. As a final question,
0: I wonder if there is any advice that you were given early in your career that you look back at as particularly good advice that you'd wanna pass along? Maybe there's somebody struggling a little bit or somebody that has plateaued. Anything that you'd wanna
1: share? Sure. So one thing that was revolutionary for me was the idea of having clients come to the office. You can say that, and it sounds like such a simple idea, but to say it assertively as if you're—I mean, you're a businessman, right? Like uh, your doctor's not coming to your house at nine o'clock at night, you know, eight o'clock at night, or on a Sunday. I mean, you're you're a business professional, and I you know I had this—it's all about what we have in our heads, right? So I had this idea that oh, just this guy makes you know so much, and his assets are this, and you know, he's not going to come to the office to see me. I should be going to see him whenever he wants. But I'm starting to suggest to clients. Uh, you know, listen. I'm free Wednesday from one to three in the office. My office is in Woodbury or wherever. The, you know, like success at the time. Uh, you know, we, you know that that can you come into the office? And it was like, sure. Uh, how's two o'clock. Like, sure. You gonna come here? You know, it's just can't believe it. But now, you know, 99% of my meetings are like that. You know, I'm I'm rarely leaving the office to go see a client. Certainly, there's situations where you have to or you want to or whatever yeah. to be, but there's so much more time in your day when you don't spend hours traveling. So again, that's more of like a, a, a shift, you know, in, in my mind that I had to make. Uh, I'll give you one more. Uh, early on, uh, I also remember where, you know, here I am, I learn all these products and things like that, and I'm trying to, you know, sell, right? The idea of just selling things to people. But I remember I worked with a senior advisor only, you know, two years in, and we had a, a meeting together and he gathered all the information from the client, developed some rapport. And then towards the end of the meeting, he says, okay, you know, here's the situation and this is what we should do. And the client said, okay. And he called in his assistant, and you know, asked for some paperwork. She brought it in and he signed everything. This is what we should do. It's unbelievable. What do you mean yeah. what we should do? <laughs> you know, uh, how is that, you know, but. I swear, And I remember it now, so many years later, because it's really that approach of advising. You didn't sell anything. Here's this yeah. product and it's costing this much, and, you know, uh, or this product and it costs this much. And, you know, that, that's, you know, it's the idea of here's the problem, here's the solution, and this is how I can help you get there. And this is what we should do, you know, because you're on the same side of the table, you're not on the opposite side of the table. so. And it's kind of just like a, a way that you think of things. Those are probably the biggest piece of adv- the biggest pieces of advice. Your clients, your partner. That's right.
0: Mitch, thanks for sharing with us today. Appreciate your history. It's incredibly impressive, and I know you've motivated some people today. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you.